0: It's batting, Jim, but not as we know it. This is big. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. you all engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Hey, you! Get your damn hands off her! Uh. You're my Uncle Joey. Uh. Better get used to these bars, kid. He's Mike Larry. Who's there? Uh, Mike! Lowry. Well, how do I know it's Mike Lowry? Cause I'm Mike Lowry.
1: Welcome to the BashCast, brought to you by bookiebashing.net. This is big, looking at next week's opportunities and the last month's worth of profits. This is BashCast episode number 138. Put the gun down and get me a pack of tropical fruit bubblelicious. It is 3pm on Thursday, the 9th of May 2019. Coming up in this afternoon's BashCast, um, I'll look at the last couple of nights worth of Champions League games, which were nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, reviewing the golf model that were in the Middle of building at bookiebashing.net. After the break, the Kentucky Derby throws up some extraordinary scenes and revisiting a summer coupon we found at Ladbrooks and just discussing that when things go quiet on the opportunity front, that can be when the most amount of value seems to appear. All of that and more. This afternoon on the Bashcast. been a month. I'm going to try for a shorter bashcast this afternoon. actually don't have much of a choice because I'm going to go and pick up the kids from nursery in 90 or so minutes. Um, So it's been a month. Um, It's been all change in the Tom household. Jen has gone back to work. That means that the routine that we've had is all thrown around a little bit. It's for anyone that has children. The morning period, you know, when so Jen goes to work at like, or she goes to CrossFit at quarter to six in the morning. The kids will get up at about fourteen minutes to six, and then we've got all that time to kill before nursery, and then picking them up in the evening. The trials and tribulations of two working parents. And so um, we haven't got settled into a routine yet. And one of the things that's had to um, eviscerate in the last month has been the regularity of the gas. It will become routine again in the future, not just now. One of the things I'm going to do is just start to aim it, condense it a little bit. Drifting out to two hours was never my plan. So um, we'll see if we can keep today under forty minutes, but you know, when I'm waffling. One thing I do encourage is um if anyone's got any feedback, suggestions, anything you want me to talk about, um go onto the bashcast thread or onto Discord and just let me know. Um I think one of the common themes that I've noticed is people enjoyed it when the episode was an edge every week. The only issue with that is 140 um, episodes in, I sort of struggle. I don't think I have 140 edges, and so I struggle to maintain an edge a week. I don't mind rehashing old ground, but I don't want it to be boring for people to listen to. Um, but if, you, if there's anything that anyone wants discussing uh, or revisiting, let me know. One other common theme was that people were always interested in how much we were making at Bookie Bashing HQ. So everyone makes different amounts. I make a certain amount. Duncan makes a certain amount. We're on similar bets, but not the same bet. I wasn't on Murrah to get a hat trick last night, for example. Um, And then things are often affected by casino offers, especially with this new Dead or Alive 2. But regardless, if you assume that Eevee is Eevee and it flattens out over the long run... Uh, I personally, since, let's go January, shall we? It's been rather steady. Well, the first three months of the year were 8.5 grand, 8.2 grand in February, 7.1 grand in March, 4.1 grand in April. We're halfway through May and I've only made 1,000 in May. Uh, Some losing runs here and there and everywhere. So um, I'm not expecting to make a decent amount in May, but um, that's okay. Okay everything averages out over 12 months anyway. The 12 month rolling average figure is probably the most uh, important figure. So I'll try and keep uh, the BashCast updated as to where we are standing with recent results. In terms of the variance actually, one of the things that we put up was a new normal distribution graph and you can go and download this. I've left the link on the Mugs forum. If you look for the spreadsheets link, And in that, you can see a graph, and there are three input variables. That's average EV, number of bets, and the magnitude of the odds. And what we'll see is that um, if you're betting as low as odds of two on average, which, by the way, nobody is, because there are very few odds-on boosts that we put in the tracker, but stay with me. If you're betting at odds of two and you're looking at 115% EV on average, and you look over 2,000 bets, hardly anybody will bet with that profile and be down. Um, Statistically, almost everybody, 99% plus of people, will be in profit. Uh, The chances of running so badly that you would be in the negative there are, you know, astronomical. However, all you have to do is... Shorten the sample size, look at 500 bets, or increase the odds, go up to 4 or 5 or 6, or lower the EV, and you start seeing that the normal distribution graph shifts to the left. What this means is that there is more risk if you're betting at higher odds, if you're looking at smaller sample size, if you're looking at lower EV, or a combination of the above. And so if you're betting at 20 to 1, at 101% EV and you're only looking at 300 bets, the normal distribution graph is only slightly shifted in your favor, 49% of people are showing a loss and 51% are showing a profit, as opposed to you know shorter odds, higher EV, more sample size than everybody's showing a profit. And what this kind of suggests is that if you're looking at a losing run, and um, wondering if your strategy is wrong, it could very well be that the sample size that you're looking at isn't big enough to flatten out variance. And there was, in fact, a significant chance that over 80 bets and 104% EV that you were going to, you know, either not make any money or be down. Any positive expectation strategy should have infinite pounds over infinite bets. But the question is, how long do you want to wait? Um, If you don't want to wait forever, and you want to have a, if you like, um, easier, less bumpy ride, then the solution is simple. Bet at lower odds, and bet at higher EV. And also look at your sample size over a larger number of bets. We put all these bets in the tracker and we highlight anything that's over 100% EV. But if you're betting on the 101%, you need to have a longer view of the sample size of bets that you're looking at. Um, but if you apply a strategy, a, a very disciplined strategy, we say, I'm only going to bet on bets over 110% you know, I'm going to ignore these 100 to 110, you're going to see a flatter, less bumpy ride. It might take you longer to get there because there are fewer opportunities, but that ride will be less bumpy on the way. One other factor that I haven't added to the normal distribution graph is that some things are very difficult to estimate EV, especially when it comes to steamers. And that's possibly for the next release. So as I mentioned, it's Thursday afternoon. We got um I've got three simultaneous thingamajingis going on at the same time. I have got the the British Masters Golf, which uh I Bet Fred went ten places on. Um although a couple of my guys are, seem to be he, he, Fred could have offered a hundred places and half of my guys probably wouldn't finish in there, unfortunately. But I'll come to the golf in a little bit. Um horse racing. Uh, It was Sylvester D'Souza and the other one. Sylvester D'Souza. I'm going to have to bring up my sheet. God damn. There goes my memory. Sylvester D'Souza and the other one being Frankie Dettori to get zero winners at Sky. This one was a little bit annoying to work out. This is at at Chelmsford, which is going to start very shortly. Um, Skybet have these combined winners on a page, right? And so they'll say either to get, you know, exactly one, exactly two, exactly three, or one or more, two or more, three or more, or zero. And then they boost one. But the one that's value is never the one that's boosted. I, I always think they're very sneaky. So you've got the highlighted yellow super boost at the top, which, by the way, I'm almost certain if you just take that, you will get restricted and limited. And then you've got the non-boosted prices below, but it's always one of the non-boosted prices that seems to be value. Anyway, we got this cool new... A lot of these bets seem to be this format. It's like... um, um So X winners and Y events, you, you know. Um, kind of thing like, you know, Frankie to have two plus winners or Frankie to have two plus winners and someone else to have three plus winners at all of the at all of the races and a meeting. And so, again, we've got this calculator X, winners and Y events that you can download at um, Bashing, and in the spreadsheets webpage. And I implore that you do. The reason I implore that you do is whilst I can and I will populate all of the value mugs from all of the sites every morning, uh, other than Mondays, these take a little bit of time to work out, and if I, you know, I get to lunchtime, and they're mainly at William Hill and Sky, if I get to lunchtime and no one's worked them out, then I'll do them, but I can't do everything at the same time, at once, so if anyone wants to take uh, the spreadsheet and just populate it with the odds that are available on Betfair, then anyone can work them out. Uh, it's really annoying when you work it out, and nothing's value. It's equally annoying when I go and work out the Frankie, Tory and... Sylvester D'Souza won as I did today, and I realized that the 12 to one is value. Um, For zero winners, it was 13.0 to back and 9.9 to lay. And when I work out that it's value, I then have to just do it again to make sure that I'm not wrong as a double check. And then it turned out to be correct. So I would spent 10 minutes looking at this. So I put it on the tracker. I get on it myself. And within a minute, it's cut, which is like, it's the nature of the game because we are finding these things that are, you know, marginally value for a small amount of time. It would have been cut anyway, but it was just so frustrating. It was cut so short after I got on that. I would be surprised if anyone else other than me got on it. So it's one of those things that only I can celebrate if it wins. Which is one of the frustrating aspects always. Like, if you're looking out for bets and you find them and then you post them, then you're going to be okay getting on them. Um, But the first person to find them generally always gets on. This morning, someone sent me a photograph from William Hill, and it was Chelsea to have uh, the Chelsea game to have over two goals, over eight corners, and over two cards, and also the Arsenal game. Now, apparently, the price of that was 10 to 1, boosted to 16 to 1. It's the sort of thing you can estimate because there's a market for all of those three events. I mean, it's over 2.5 goals. Sorry, it's the Chelsea and the Arsenal game. So it's over 2.5 goals. That's a fairly liquid market. That can be used. Over 8.5 corners. Well, that's a market. It's not that liquid, but it can be used. You know, if there's a backhand delay, you can at least get a worst-case scenario, even if nothing's traded. The over 2.5 card is a little tricky. Again, there was an available lay. You can kind of estimate that it might be a couple of notches under the available lay when it's a massive gap. And you can use Bet365 Bet Builder, although you really have to add in a massive margin into that, but just to make sure that you're not hugely underestimating the price. And yeah, the double of the Arsenal and the Chelsea games to have over two goals, over eight corners, and over two cards should be around about 5 to 1, 6.0, 6.5. Worst case scenario, 6 to 1, 7.0. And it was available at 16 to 1. That was at the boosted price. There was only about five minutes, though, between that photograph being sent to me and the boost being over. But then it was still available at 10 to 1. And then it was cut to. to seven to one but it's still value at seven to one and this is the kind of thing you know the person that originally finds this which isn't me it's the guy in the shop that sends me the photograph he like gets the the play, the sweet shop to himself and he can get on the highest price and then everyone including myself we're just sort of playing catch up and getting on whatever price that we can it's got to come in now because i think they've held seven to one in the shop all day don't know exactly they've done something wrong and they can't quite see it but that could be a big one for a lot of people if it, if it comes in in the last couple of nights there have been some of these big william hill bets come in but the one i want to focus on so the last two nights of the champions league have just been insane for british clubs we had liverpool 4 barcelona 3 uh, barcelona nil so the aggregate was 4 3. Barcelona had a 3 0 lead in the first leg there. I saw. So the lineup was a little bit surprising. Shakiri was starting up front. So I went for the, the anytime scorecaster of Shakiri to score and Liverpool to win 4 0. So Liverpool did win 4 0, but it was Origi with two goals and Winaldum, who gets goals and is always a high price for anytime goal scorer. Got got two as well, and it was just an insane turnaround from Liverpool. You think that it wouldn't be beaten? Somebody on the forum, they posted up Sky had boosted Messi to have two plus shots on target and Virgil Van Dijk to have two plus tackles. Um, from I think from like four to one to seven to one. So you can never trust the was price. Um, it could easily still be negative EV. Um, they had done some mathematics to show that historically this 7 to 1 looked like a really decent price. Now, I wasn't able to go through it because I was it's a combination of kids' bedtime and then juggling a couple of other things. But I recognized the name of the guy that posts, Arch. Uh, he posts some good stuff. He's been around for a while. He's very trusted. And so I followed him in because I trust him. And even if he's made a mistake, and by the way, he hadn't, Well, actually, I haven't gone through the maths, but a load of other people did, which gave me confidence. Even if he's made a mistake, I'm sure he's right the majority of the time. And so if I blindly follow him and he makes a mistake now and again, my overall betting portfolio will show profit because overall he's betting on positive expectation stuff. And anytime he gets it wrong... For in the negative should be balanced out by the number of times that he's underestimating something, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I just followed him in without even looking at it, and uh, it came in, and that was a delight, absolute delight. That was like lunch, free lunch the next day, just for that one, Sky. So thank you very much for that one. And it's the kind of thing, it went up on the tracker with the words estimated lay on it, and he sort of said, shall I put this on the tracker? Yeah, of course, because... All you can do is put it on the tracker and then someone come up with a statistic or a fact or a reasoning for why it wouldn't be right. And that's absolutely okay. You tried something out and you got it wrong and someone pointed it out and now you know. But that wasn't even the case. You put it up on the tracker and nobody said it was wrong because, assumably, it was absolutely right and it came in for him and it came in for me and it came in for anyone that got on it. So, really good bet. And... Extraordinary turnaround for Liverpool that afternoon. I had seen fifty to one available for Spurs versus Liverpool in the final, and I worked it out not to be value, so I moved on with my life. Uh, Ajax were playing Spurs on the Wednesday night. Ajax had a one nil lead, but that included an own goal, not an own goal, an away goal from the first leg um, at Wembley. And then they scored two in the first half, Delete and Ziek. So this game looked over because they had a three goal lead going into the second half. Before the game had started, um, I was privy to a conversation Duncan and a couple of others were having about Lucas Mura. And they had seen that he was starting unexpectedly high up the pitch. And by unexpectedly, what they were saying is that. The formation did look like he was playing as a, a sort of focal front man with the ball being fed up to him. And if you looked on the exchanges, it was your usual suspects, Ali, Son, who were the single-figure prices, and Moura was a double-figure price. But if you looked at the formation, Ali was just starting a little bit in front of the left-back. I mean, he was really pinned back, uh, and down, flanking down the wing. That's what the formation suggested. So, if the Fed, the ball is, if that formation is suggesting that they're feeding the ball forward through the middle to Lucas Moura, then Lucas Moura should be the favourite in the team to get a goal. And the markets, the exchange markets, were not reacting to that. Now, it was all theory based on a formation diagram that they were looking at. And again, it was not something that I picked up on or posted or even acted on. Because of bleeding bedtime. But it was interesting the dynamic of the conversation that they had. And they ended up getting on Mora to score two goals or more at 30, and Mora to get a hat trick at 200. Um, I hadn't timed that. That's from the previous podcast. But uh, it, it, it suits that position of the story because Mora did get a hat trick and um, those guys cleaned up and when I see them I'm going to first congratulate them and then tell them off for not posting their uh, information on the forum because they were on at the exchange there was no risk of them um, uh, slashing the price and uh, there was presumably enough money for others to get on as well so just reminded they're going to have to like share that information next time they did it but for some context I wasn't on it and I had to just gleefully congratulate them when the 200-1 to came in. So that is Spurs versus um, Liverpool in the final. It's outrageous. I am on my holiday. Unfortunately, I'm going to be on an aeroplane for the actual Champions League final. I hadn't realised this uh, when I booked my holiday. So uh, I'm going to be flying from Singapore to Heathrow, coming back um, for the Champions League final. So I don't know what to do, whether to get media blackout or whether to see if the... You can get internet on the plane. If you get internet on the plane, that might be the thing to do. I did that on the way to Phoenix last month or two months ago. And the only thing is, it worked perfectly, but you couldn't bet because despite the, the fact that you're in international waters, for whatever reason, the internet was routing through that all all the websites thought you were in America. So if you tried to get onto various betting websites or place a bet, it presumed you were in America and couldn't, uh, even though I was at the time flying over Ireland when I realized this. So golf, it's the British Masters in the background just now. We had the Wells Fargo last week. Now the golf model is taking on, is taking on more maturity every week. It's still got a little bit to go but it's getting more and more mature. It highlighted a few golfers for the Wells Fargo last week. So this is how the golf model currently works. It is, um, we have a few different ways of assessing value, which we're, as soon as we're finished, we'll bring them all into the same place. But there are different methodologies that can be used, especially when there's 10 places. When there's, when there's 10 places there, you're really getting a lot of value on the place. If you can find the win odds to be a decent enough magnitude. And you've got options there to either overlay the place, you could back top 10, back each way when it's 10 places, you could overlay the top 10 and that gives you a kind of plus EV or free shot at the win. Switch that around, you can back each way top 10 and you can lay the win and leave the place Sort of as the as what you're targeting, and there's a lot less variance in doing that because then instead of aiming for just one person per tournament, you're aiming for you know positions one to ten. There's also value betting based on the additional value that we're getting from the places. A few golfers were highlighted last week. Now the data that we're getting from that because of the Wells Fargo Championship, the British Masters. We're putting these scrapes up on Sunday. There's no data available on Sunday, not in the exchanges anyway. So we have a three tiered model based on the confidence that we have with the data that we're using. The first tier, if it's available, we'll use exchange data because we're going to presume that the exchange data is the best data, the wisdom of the crowds. I'm slowly thinking that that isn't the best data that's available. We're pointing the direction of datagolf.ca. They publish statistics for the likelihood of each player to finish, to win, to finish in the top five, top 10, top 20, and to make the cut based on this predictive model that they have, looking at historical results and form and player ability and things like that. And they they publish these, these probabilities. And very often, we can get prices at the exchange that far exceed these probabilities. Like um, Matsuyama, just now, um, is available. I'm looking at the outright here. He's available on the exchange at 21 for the um, for the PGA tournament this weekend, which is the Byron. Um, and data golf the prediction model makes them only 14.9 and there's various things going on there especially in the places that if you look at liquidity on the places that's not necessarily the wisdom of the crowds and a fair reflection of the chances of something occurring that could very frequently just be either bots or even each way arbors trying to offload liability and so, just because a price exists on the exchange doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's truly reflective. It, I mean, certainly you could argue that for huge, very highly liquid markets such as the Premiership and the Champions League and so on and so forth. But place markets in minor golf tournaments, especially in play, no chance. These aren't liquid. Um, in fact, it's, it's probably a higher chance that it's just uh, an arbor offloading liability. So, um. At the moment, we're using the order of preference is using the exchange first and then data golf. And then we've got some in-house calculations that we made where we can estimate the top five and the top 10 based on some, the polynomial regression analysis that we did over the first few months of this year, just to kind of find relationships. Now that third in-house data set analysis That's not necessarily the most accurate. That doesn't take into account form or anything like that. We're simply mapping win to top five and top ten to come out with some estimations of the probability of exactly sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth um, for the purposes of finding value when there is nothing else to go from, when there's nothing else at all to benchmark the information from. And on a Saturday or a Sunday ahead of a tournament, we might do that. But as soon as um data golf comes online with some statistics, I think that's always going to be a little bit more um accurate a little bit more sophisticated the model that we're using and we'll transfer over to that information and the theory is meant to be that once the exchange becomes liquid, we would then move towards that direction. but I'm having a bit of a question of whether that's accurate or whether data you know the question I'm trying to answer is what is more um reflective of the real odds is it data golf or if it's is it the exchange if it is data golf that also means that there's just straight out and out value betting opportunities just matching the two up data golf versus the exchange so I implore everyone to go over there and sign up if you're interested and there's two different ways that it can be used just now um, I've only used it in the former you can one just identify where their statistics say the probability of somebody winning is you know, you can get thirty, forty percent higher than that is available. Uh, sorry, lower than that is available in the exchange, and therefore, that's you know, the theory would be that that's a value bet in the exchange. Or secondly, there are plenty of trading opportunities, especially if um, the large arbitrage sites um, early doors are looking at offloading some of their place liability for the extra places, then. Um, these markers are really illiquid and gappy and you would have the sweet shot to yourself if you were using the actual probability from data golf anyway so back to the wells fargo last week and let's look at a sample size of one tournament to see how we're doing we identified a number of golfers for this the first was shin lowry and why why am i not the only person in the world who has said that when you see Shane Lowry mentioned on a leaderboard or anywhere on a golf, you instantly have to think of Martin Lawrence from Bad Boys doing an impression of Will Smith, Detective Mike Lowry. Why? He's
0: Mike Lowry. Who's there? Uh, Mike Lowry. Well how do I know it's Mike Lowry? Cause I'm Mike Lowry.
1: Um forgetting about Mike for one second, two other three other golfers that the um the model highlighted were Jason Duffner at four hundred to one, Joel Darman at one hundred to one, and Paul Casey at twenty-eight to one. And when you look at the finishing positions of the the top six golfers, Max Homer won it. Well, let me tell you, good grief! You'd never have picked Max Homer pre-tournament. I don't care what model prediction model you're using. He was 500 to one best price at the bookmaker. There was no lay for him on the exchange, so his back price was a thousand. A Black Swan principle suggests that his realistic back price back price would have been way over one thousand. As, as prices always are where there's a back of a thousand and a lay of nothing you never want to back those at a thousand that's not a positive expectation strategy so you know his real price was in the thousands if you just look at the lay component um so 500 to 1 1 to 5 odds you were getting 100 to 1 on the place and um he was 160 available to back for top five on the exchange uh, you never in a million years would have picked out Max Homer, who's won nothing and done nothing in his life. I think he's had $1.5 million worth of career earnings. $1.42 million were from this event. Uh, Joel Darman, who we highlighted at 100 to 1, was second and was tied first going into the last day. Paul Casey, 28 to 1, in tied fourth. And Jason Duffner, 400 to 1, in tied fourth. Now, one of the things the golf model does do is it highlights everybody that's plus EV. And that can make it very difficult to analyze our results because we identify half the field to be plus EV in one manner or another. And mostly um, the guys at the very top of the field are the, the only ones that aren't plus EV. Although Tommy Fleetwood, um, when he was 9 to 1 before he was cut everywhere, was very decent at the British Masters. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and find a way to summarize our suggestions for these golf bets into a much more compact form and tabulize maybe 8, 9, 10 bets for every tournament every week. And then what we will do is we will analyse over the long term the results of those bets. We'll still publish everything that's plus EV, because heaven knows you could be the guy that only has a MoPlay account and nowhere else and only wants to bet at MoPlay. Well, if something's plus EV at MoPlay, you'll be able to filter the table and identify that and go and bet on him. So we'll still be publishing everything that is positive expectation to back, but um, for the purposes of simplifying the overall output from this golf model, um, which is essentially going to be three models in one, three different analytical techniques and um, a value betting and overlaying and a hedging model, if that's a, if that's the kind of thing that you're into. But mainly I'm just going to be focusing on the equity because at the end of the day, what you do in terms of hedging has no effect on um, extra value. So we're just going to simplify that. We're going to summarize it. We're going to put it on the table and we're going to slowly over the year continually improve it and see if we can um, track our results and start showing some sort of upwards trend when it comes to Predicting winners for these golf tournaments. Right, guys, I told you I was going to shorten the Bashcast a little bit this week and condense it. I wanted this point to be under half an hour. I was sitting at 33 minutes and 55 seconds. I have failed there. That does mean it's enough for the first half. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by (laughs) bookiebashing.net. Easy. Welcome back to the Bashcast. That's Gran Kuritsan by Deep Dive Corp. 2002. In the Bookie Bashing News. Had some feedback that um, the Bookie Bashing News uh, on American News. Was a little bit irrelevant and boring, so in the Kentucky Derby this month. <laughs> listen, if you don't, if you're not interested in um, anything American, then you know, switch off before the break. That's all I can say. Yeah. I've got family in America. I've got a lot of roots in America, and I'm very interested in American sports and culture. So uh, I'm going to talk about it. Um, the Kentucky Derby, one of the biggest. Uh, horse races in the world finished um, 5th of May Um, it was won by Country House after Maximum Security became the first victor in the race's 145 year history to be disqualified on the day so the favourite crossed the line first Maximum Security in front of 150,000 fans at Churchill Downs, but was ruled to have impeded other horses in the $3 million race. Maximum security was disqualified... After a stewards' inquiry lasting 20 minutes, it left 65 to 1 outsider country house ridden by Flavian Pratt for trainer Bill Mott to be declared the winner. The decision to strip maximum security of the victory was later criticized by US President Donald Trump, of all people, who blamed it on political correctness. Donald Trump tweeted the Kentucky Derby decision was not a good one. It was a rough and tumble race on a wet and sloppy track. Actually a beautiful thing to watch, he added. Only in these days of political correctness could such an overturn occur. The best horse did not win the Kentucky Derby, not even close. Country House is the second biggest price ever um, winner of the race, which is the first leg of the US Flats Racing's triple crown. No horse had ever been disqualified immediately after winning the United States' biggest race, though. Dancer's image was stripped of the title in 1968 after a post-race test showed traces of a banned subsidence. substance. Substance, sub a banned substance. So apparently, maximum. I say apparently. I didn't didn't watch the race. I've only heard about the fallout afterwards. Maximum security veered out of line on the final turn and impeded war of will and long-range toddy. It mean it meant that complaints were lodged, and Stewart reviewed footage and interviewed riders before announcing the disqualification. As the controversial disqualification was announced, maximum securities rider, Louis Sayez, who had earlier been celebrating with trainer Jason Service, put his head in his hands. It's a bittersweet victory, but I've got to say our horse ran very well, and our jockey rode very well. Um so if you look at the if you look at the finishing results of this race, which I had here, where? Sporting life. Um Country House was sixty-five to one. Maximum security was nine to two and code of honour was in American knees 144 ten, so sort of fourteen and a half to one. Now there's a very interesting story on the D A T poker podcast. So this is a podcast um, that really just deals with poker news, and it's from Adam Schwartz, Teres Tran, and Daniel Nogado, D A and T. And if you tune into the last episode. They've got somebody on at the beginning of the episode, and he bet on the trifecta. So the trifecta is the exact order of 1, 2, and 3 in the race. And it has to be in that order. And because it has to be in that order, it pays outrageously. So to work out the payout of a trifecta, you can just multiply the three odds of the three horses um, together. So we have... Um, country house at 65 to 166 we have code of honor at 14.5 uh, to 1 and um, tacitus was third at 58 10 6.8 so the odds of getting those three horses in that order are 6956 to 1 if the sp is um anywhere near what the the real odds are which it shouldn't be so it'll, it'll be in tens of thousands of one uh, to one to actually get this trifecta the guy at the beginning of the dAT poker cast he got the trifecta but and there's a big but he placed the trifecta in William Hill and this William Hill in America has a limit on the amount of payout they'll offer in a trifecta, and that limit is 500 to 1. And what that means is it's a complete ripoff because there are so many bets um, that are trifectas that are going to exceed 500 to 1. In fact, the majority of horse races in large fields like um, the Kentucky Derby the first three are going to exceed 500 to 1. So they're just stealing markup from people. Um, so uh, if you want to go and have a listen to his story, and um, um, he's quite. Um, it's quite an interesting listen just to see the emotional roller coaster that he went through with William Hill.
0: It's you're, uh, you're so. It's uh, so.
1: Thin. So, it's that one year in four that we're currently in, in 2019, um, which doesn't have a, I think, primary major sporting event, in my calendar anyway. So, the primary sporting events are the World Cup, the Football World Cup, the European Championships, and the Olympics, and it seems like... um, There's a three-year cycle where one of those three things happen, and then uh, there is the sort of odd year out of four when none of them happen. In 2019, despite the fact that the Cricket World Cup is on and the Rugby World Cup is on later in the year and the Women's World Cup, this is that year. If you look at 2019 sport. Coming up. We're in the middle of May just now. Um, we've got the FA Cup final and the Champions League final coming up in the next couple of weeks, which will bring the football season to a close. During June and July, we've got a couple of boxing bouts, some Nations League semi-finals. I don't think that's a particularly major sporting event. The trouble with valley betting there is you're gonna have one football game um, an evening, and when there's only one large focal point per evening, Uh, the value tends to get uh, shaped within an inch of its life. So, like a Champions League final or semi-final, the Nations League semi-final between the England and Netherlands on the 6th of June, I'm not expecting big things for it. Really, there's not a lot all on uh, for the rest of June. There's the Women's World Cup, but that's not going to throw up any value. We've got Wimbledon at the beginning of July. Cycling Tour de France has been a while since I've been placing bets on that. Um... uh, and then, you know, the golf, the Opens on the last week of July. Then we come into August. Well, we've got the ashes between England and Australia. Um, and some athletics and some cycling, neither of which particularly throws up any, any value there. When does the Rugby World Cup start? The Rugby Union World Cup is in September. When the football season's back. Anyway. You know, so it's um, one of these summers. Does that mean that all is lost? Certainly the number of options to bet on is fewer. But it doesn't mean that all is lost. I want to highlight a coupon from... Now, I'm only guessing here. I think it was 2016. I could actually work this out because I think Sasha was between 0 and 1. I remember that summer so it must have been 2016 yeah that's right and it was the weekend three for all cup- coupon at Ladbrokes and if you look at this coupon uh, it's got teams on the most obscure teams you ever saw in your entire life you got um, the under 21s internationals Germany versus Spain you got a lot of Bray Wanderers and Dundalk and Limerick and then we go down to Fukuoku, uh, Jeff United Jeff United, seriously. Um, Vegalta Sendal, Okayama. Um, so we're looking at, really here, a lot of Asian football. Um, the Scandinavians go back a little bit earlier in the Oldsvenken and the early Tesserian because of their winter light problems that they have. So there's some games involving Malmo and Sundsvall, and you've got, you've got some MLS like Chicago, Colorado, Columbus. And... Um, Back into the J-League of Japan and the Chinese leagues. And this is a weekend coupon. It's Saturday and Sunday games here in the middle of the summer. Karezo-Osaka. And the coupon had match betting in the first column. It had both teams to score in the second column. And it had over and under 2.5 goals in the third column. And when you looked at the um, odds for the over under 2.5 goals and for the yes-no both teams to score, for every single one of them, they were exactly the same. And by that I mean all the yeses were the same as all the over 2.5s and all the noes were the same as all the under 2.5s. And that's not a coincidence. That's never a coincidence in a million years. What had happened was they had just replicated the odds over from one or the other. So then the question is, how does it scan? And a little sample test proved that it scanned and went through the machine like that. So tiny bit of analysis showed that the over-under 2.5 column was correct. It was the both-teams-to-score column was incorrect. And half the games were or half the prices were negative ev and about half the prices were positive ev and some of the positive ev prices were pretty insane ev so at the time back in 2016 before we had any of these um, abilities to put together an automated scraper or anything like that what we did is we ordered the top 10 teams or the top 10 prices so i think it was like malmo both teams just go no jjk Jivaslaka, both both teams to score, yes. Bray, both teams to score, no. So we ordered the top 10 and we put them into a series of doubles, trebles and quadruples and ended up with EVs such as 6.6 to back, 3.6 to lay. 182% EV. Or one of the trebles, Okayama, both teams to score, yes. Malmo, both teams to score, no. And JJK, Jivaslaka, both teams to score, yes. was 15.8 to back. The best elsewhere price was 7.5, so it was 207% EV when we added in a little bit of market. We had a 33 to one to back, fair price 17, which was, you know, again, over 200% EV. And this kind of opportunity came about because not very many people are taking this coupon and studying it with any particular degree of parlance or attention. You know, if this was championship or premiership, people would have taken them, would have compared them against the exchanges. The exchanges would have been liquids, The money would have come in. It would have been highlighted very quickly, and it would have been cut. But this actually lasted all the way up to the end of the the last game, and then they paid out correctly. Well, they paid out as in um, as the result, meaning. You, you thought that, you know, if, if the result had some, uh, somehow got intertwined, the over 2.5 and the BTTS in the system, then there could be an occasion where you've bet on BTTTS. And it finishes one all and they don't pay out because they're thinking it should be over 2.5. Well, they did pay out. So everything just ran swimmingly. It was just a case, uh, a case of identifying where the value was, when nobody was looking, and then finding a way of maximizing and compounding the value once we found that. The whole point of this isn't me saying, bravo, look how brilliant we were in the summer of 2016. The point of this is... The break in the summer is a fantastic opportunity for us not only to look at other things but to catch the traders off guard when their full attention isn't on things anyway. Talking about that, by the way, if you happen to have been betting on the last day of the championship and the penultimate weekend of the um, Premiership football last weekend, was it the anti-penultimate or the penultimate? I don't know if there's one or two games left to go, uh, weekends left to go in the Premiership. But if you happen to be... I know there have been a lot of um, misgivings for how difficult it is to get on the coupons at Betfred because of how quickly they cut. Well, it seemed to be that they were completely asleep all of um, Saturday, and there was a significant amount of green, the lovely green on the tracker, and they were held for a long time. What a massive shame... That the smart money couldn't have uh, predicted a little bit better. I believe Crew were 15 to 8, either 15 to 8 or 13 to 8 on the coupon. And they steamed them to 2.1, 2.2 in the exchange and they were held on the coupon. And when something like that happens, you're absolutely certain that Crew have to win, you know? well they were 2-0 down to Grimsby Town uh, after 34 minutes and that's how the game finished, 2-0. But it was value it was a decent thing to do Um, uh, you just keep on doing the right thing and the results will um, speak for themselves Okay guys whatever it is you're betting on this weekend, do make sure it's value. This is Tom signing out This is big.